Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast with Simon Cocking, Senior Editor. I'll be doing a series of interviews with people at the cutting edge of green tech, clean tech, and anything else that we think is interesting and worth listening to for you guys, our listeners. Today, uh, we have an interesting guest. Uh, he has written for us sometimes. He writes for all sorts of people, and he has a presence in a few areas, and I think it's going to be interesting to explore a few things that he does. So first of all, who am I talking to today? Oshin Lunny. Uh, very happy to be here. Awesome. And just for those who don't who don't know, what do you do and, and what kind of areas are you active in? You know, first of all, thanks so much for inviting me to the podcast. Absolutely thrilled. Big fan of Irish Tech News. It's like a, a Venn diagram for many of the things that are significant in my life. I'm from Ireland, even though I don't live there uh, anymore and haven't for quite a while. And uh, although I started in the music industry, I moved into tech. I guess, just over 20 years ago and have been uh, happily here ever since. So um, as you can imagine, Irish Tech News is a website I visit very regularly. Um, I worked in uh, the the kind of more nuts and bolts technology side of things and networks and tech support. And, you know, I worked in call centers and all that kind of thing. Uh, And then I kind of moved through things like content syndication, content delivery, fiber optic cable networks, VPNs, uh, CDNs. Uh, social media websites, mobile content, mobile technology, mobile messaging. And so today I sort of have a bit of a portfolio career after 20 odd years in the enterprise space working for uh, significant tech providers. I now freelance as a podcast host, an event MC, a journalist, a kind of webinar moderator, and I do lots of other bits and pieces on the side uh, as they come up. <laughs> awesome. That's my sense of what you do, but it's good to hear <laughs> you articulate it. Um, yeah. And that very much answers the question about, is it logical to what you do now? So therefore, um, w- with all of that in mind, like we're moving into December. Basically, we're wrapping up 2020. And the 2020 yeah. has been both, I mean, you're based in Spain and for us in Ireland, uh, with the pandemic, it's had a massive effect. So how have the last 12 months been and how has it impacted on what you do and how have you adapted? Most of my work that I had planned back in February was in events to do with Mm -hmm. emceeing events for a few days or moderating panels. All of that disappeared. Absolutely everything that I had planned work-wise just vanished. But there was a kind of very fortuitous flip side to this, which I'm super grateful for. And that was many of the clients that I've been working with and planning events with were looking for something else to do because, of course, their events were cancelled and their marketing initiatives had to be put on ice as the major trade shows were postponed due to uh, the pandemic. So I was approached by uh, a wonderful lady, Carol Campbell from Harman, which is a massive audio, like consumer electronics company. They own AKG, JBL, Harman Kardon, Incarp Sound Systems. They own Mark Levinson, really high end, hi fi separates, etc. And she had this idea that they would put together a podcast that could act as a resource and a way to bring music makers and music lovers and high quality audio enthusiasts together. And uh, she gave me a call and said, look, we have had to cancel all of these things we were going to do, but we still need to reach out to our community. Would you like to work together on a podcast? And so that's where the uh, Audio Talks podcast was born. And then we just started uh, producing this podcast together, Carol and her team at Harman and their agency Archetype on the content side of things and the 
tone and the design and all of the assets. And I was kind of working a lot on the technical side of things, recording, production, and also uh, presenting it. So it's been a really nice, harmonious collaboration, and it's just evolved and evolved. And we've just actually recorded episode 18. Cool. We've like had some fantastic people on the show, like Carl Cox, nice, BT Wolf, uh, Raphael Kaiser. Uh, you know, a lot of the the kind of super knowledgeable, brilliant experts within the Harmon ecosystem, either working at Harmon or AKG or JBL Pro, or folks like uh, Frank Filippetti, who is kind of affiliated as a Harmon expert, but he's a seven times Grammy winning producer. So just brilliant people have been on the podcast and. Um, as a result of that, again, you know, a lot down to luck and existing connections who are looking to do something because their events were cancelled. Uh, I was approached by Siemens to send a proposal to help them produce a podcast all about IoT. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the Siemens Advanta podcast was born and we are just recording episode four this week. And we've had some amazing guests such as Peter Corte, Amaric Sarazin and Barbara Humpton, who is the CEO of Siemens USA. So we've had some great people from the Siemens IoT ecosystem. We also had Lisa C. Cataluca, who is the most celebrated female engineer in IBM's entire history. What I'm finding is that podcasts are this incredible way to reach out to people, to connect with an existing community. And as was covered in the article that uh, you kindly asked me to write for Irish Tech News, this is an incredibly powerful way for brands to stay connected with people they need to stay connected to and to add continual value and to really keep the conversation and that connection going, even in the midst of a pandemic where venues are closed, shops are closed, uh, travel is cancelled and all of the events have been postponed. So, uh, I mean, podcasts have been one of the big stories of this year for me personally, and also as I see it in terms of what's relevant for businesses moving forward and staying connected no matter what happens with the pandemic and with the global uh, business landscape. Yeah, look, uh, very much so. And in doing some of the research, it does say that in the US, amongst others, the, the degree of podcast consumption is going up. People are listening to more. Um, it's it's definitely something that people are interested in and want to consume. In in your, in your article uh, about this uh, branded podcast, um, you, you articulate this and, and you draw this out. Um, but, but at the same time... Um, I guess the bit that I'd like to know is, is I, I remember back in the States in the 80s and 90s, you'd have these channels that would spend half an hour with George Foreman talking about his new grill, right? So obviously this was, <laughs> yeah. So, so you know the kind, and, yeah. and there'd be another one about exercise, pieces of exercise equipment. And, 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 yeah. and very quickly you'd realize this isn't a TV show. This is a 30-minute piece on a product, right? So, so obviously oh, yeah. that, that you'd grown at that, right? So, so therefore to create good branded podcasts how how do you advise and guide people to make sure that 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 they don't lose us by it just becoming advertorial oh 100% that's a great question and that's something i'm very happy to say that both harman and siemens have a, a very enlightened approach to the last thing they want to make is a half hour advert for anything mm-hmm. they're doing together we craft the storylines that are about providing information, inspiration and value to the listeners. And in most cases, not really mentioning the the brands behind what's happening so much. 
I mean, obviously, there's an overlap with IoT and Siemens Advanta, and there's an overlap with Excellent Audio and Harman, AKG, JBL, etc. But for instance, with the uh, story about mega rigs, which is an area that JBL are very established in, they're enormous sound systems that you see in stadiums, the kind of jaw-dropping speaker stack at Woodstock in 1969. That episode was about celebrating the heritage of JBL, which is going to be 75 years old uh, in 2021. But it really wasn't a flag waving. Let's mention all of the JBL products you can buy. It was because of their connections. They were able to get Bill Hanley from Hanley Sound, who was the guy who designed the sound system at Woodstock. And he was just talking about building these cabinets and putting in the JBL components and using an optical compressor for the first time in live music and putting blocks of ice on some of the equipment so it didn't overheat and all these kind of crazy stories mm. that are just fascinating. And he's, he's such a character. And, uh, you know, so that's a way to tell a compelling story about some of the heritage of this brand. It's obviously good for the brand, but but more than that, it's interesting content. So yeah. many times we've had episodes and there's been absolutely no mention of the brands as such but it's about something that the brands are a big part of. You know, I think that's the the best approach really is to look at it as not in any way an advert. Look at it as how you can create value for your community. And, you know, exactly as you said, consumers today are way too sophisticated to sit through a 30-minute George Foreman advert. (laughs) No no shade on George Foreman and his wonderful grill. Uh, Content these days is super well-produced. It's very sophisticated. The listeners are very nuanced. Uh, They will run a mile from anything that sounds like it's obviously an advert. You know, we're in the attention economy. People's attention is so valuable and you can't really get away with expecting their attention for an advert. You have to create stories, gather interesting people to talk about interesting topics and provide some inspiration and insights. And if you're not doing that, I don't think consumers will respond to it at all. Yep. Yep, definitely. Um, and so this is like part two of a two-parter. Sure. So we're agreed on that and, and we and we take that as if, if you're not doing all of that, people aren't even going to listen and they're going to go long advert, TLDR, too long, didn't listen or didn't read. <laughs> so you've achieved that, right? But so then we are seeing a lot of discussion, a lot of books talking about going forwards, uh, your clients and your customers will feel that the brand that you offer needs to, to be aligned with you in terms of ethics, value, purpose. And therefore, with the evolution of B Corps like Patagonia and other companies that are aiming to do good for the world and then make a profit. Um, Are you seeing this, um, I guess, from the people who want to listen, are you seeing a desire that these podcasts are aligned with the ethics that they wish to share? And similarly, with your companies who create the podcasts, how, how do they tackle that to attempt to communicate to their audience that they are trying to be, you know, the corporate social responsibility and have an alignment of ethics? Well, It's not so much coming from the listeners, if I'm honest, but there is very much, all of the shows I'm involved in, a strong thread of having that integrity around the brand. Just to take one example, there was an episode of the Harmon Audio Talks podcast about Make Music Day. And we had a director of Make Music Day and a gentleman from the Grammy Foundation, which are both fantastic charities. And they're very much about empowering folks who wouldn't normally have access to 
musical instruments and expensive studios, etc., and really kind of funding them and giving them equipment and giving them the opportunity to learn music, to play music, etc. And Harmon is a founding partner of Make Music Day. They supply musical instruments to children in disadvantaged areas and they had some amazing stories about this but the episode was really about make music day and as part of that it was mentioned that Harmon is a founding partner of make music day and they supply instruments to disadvantaged uh, kids and they support financially this whole initiative so it sort of comes through in the exploration of specific themes mm-hmm. for uh, Siemens Advanta we're having an episode which is all about IOT for good and how Connected devices can improve things like environmental responsibility and uh, clean supply chains and cleaner manufacturing. So I'm lucky in that the, the clients I work with, this sort of CSR is really baked into their fabric and mm-hmm. it's very much a part of who they are already. So it's not kind of bolting on, hey, let's do a podcast, which is all about our CSR stuff, which would be fine. But, you know, it would be good more so for folks who are interested in just that CSR side of things. The brands I'm working with, they have this approach to how they interact with the world built in and there's no real need to tag it on. But I really agree that it's a very important issue for consumers and it's something they have a hunger to know about. And brands should absolutely be meeting that with information. But in this, the circumstances that I've had the pleasure of working on, it hasn't been bolted on. It's sort of been baked into it from the get go. Yeah, I look, I mean, and like you say, uh, it's almost if you have to even articulate and explain to a CEO why you need to do this and be aligned, they're probably already falling behind with other companies like the Patagonias who are more leading the way. So I guess we're just seeing it in different places, so it's good to get mm. your take on it. We we touched on events, right? So yeah. events are in the space that they're in now because, yeah, I mean, like the last event I did was in February and pretty much I was supposed to go to China and I just was like, I just can't see wow. how that's going to happen. And I would s- still see it down the road, not for a while. So we have this now paradigm. We have what was before. Equally, potentially with, with the vaccines, we could be coming to a post-pandemic period. So my thought yeah. and my question is, in the future, will we just flip back to how it will be? Or has this time enabled us to create more blended versions of events? So what might a good event look like in the future? Like, well, say, will Ocean Lani just be hopping back on a plane and going around the world in Q2 of 2021? Or, or what will events be like? Or what do you think they might be like? I think that there's been some really interesting learnings about the power of virtual events, uh, because we've had to explore it a bit like the power of video calling or the power Mm -hmm. of telehealth, there are certain things that we now have access to or we've embraced at scale that we didn't really have the imperative to before the pandemic. And I think virtual events is one of them. So uh, there are certain things about events that are difficult to replicate in the virtual space. The fortuitous networking, the serendipities that happen, uh, the kind of friendship side of things that I find is a very important part of getting involved in events is making these connections and really keeping in touch. But there are some incredible advances in how people are consuming content. Uh, I've been to some fantastic virtual events recently. There's a music tectonics one and that had this whole kind of avatar based networking solution as well. And they had some very good Q&As and interviews and some great speakers. I think the inclusive nature of 
technology that's been embraced since February, March of this year, it would be a mistake to to let it go and to go completely back to the old normal, if you like. Mm-hmm. I spoke to a friend of mine who works in automotive, Tillman Strauka over at VW, and he kind of mentioned that things like car shows are impossible. And uh, so they're developing ways to preview models using VR. Yeah. You know, instead of sending a guest to a stand and they see the actual car, they, they get a pair of VR goggles and they're invited to a private preview. Uh, super interesting. So as with telehealth, as with video conferencing, I think in a perfect world, we'll go back to how events used to be up to a point, but they'll have the addition of a parallel experience that people can access online. And in a way, this will make events more inclusive, more global, and also from a sheer logistics point of view, uh, more sustainable. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think now is what it is, and it's produced quick off-the-cuff solutions. But like you say, going forwards, I'd imagine that, that you don't throw out the good bits and you don't just revert back. And and I would often feel sometimes some events I didn't really get a lot of value out of. So anything that can make events more useful makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I, I think so. I think that's a good answer. Um, so, look, another of your threads is that you love music, you're involved in music, oh, yeah. you make music. So I guess for me, like in 2020, I found myself partly going back to like comfort tunes or I listened to Clash and documentaries about Joe Strummer and Annie Lennox and then also music made from plants and fungi. So (laughs) it was, yeah, look, I mean, um, oh, uh, we, we have a DJ here who used to play a lot of big raves in 20 years ago and now samples yeah. plants to make tunes uh michael prime and he, he reminds me of the movie it's all gone pete tong where he you know he almost goes and <laughs> goes into sound you know so have you been listening to old favorites or yeah. new stuff or or, or how, how's your musical experience been during lockdown yeah 100 percent. this is a recurring theme regardless of the company that our guests work for, this is a recurring theme on the Harmon Audio Talks podcast that music has been possibly the number one comfort for people during the pandemic. It makes people feel more relaxed, calmer. It's useful for their mental health. The power of music as a therapeutic tool is something also that BT Wolf spoke about on one of our episodes, which was about the power of music for good. And research has shown consistently that music is this comforting space. It's a safe space for people to get back to no matter what's happening in their world. So uh, what's what's been happening in people's homes is that people will cocoon, not necessarily in the sitting room with the stereo, but somebody will be listening to music on the stereo and other folks will be in their bedrooms on their headphones you know, this is something I love to do. I'm an absolute music obsessive. I've loved music forever. My dad was in, it was and still is in music. I grew up mm-hmm. with music. And, uh, you know, every month I send a, a mixtape to several thousand friends and family uh, via my website, oshinlunny.com. All of you are welcome. And cool. uh, I really put together some nice new music that I've heard and mix in some old stuff that I like as well. But I think music has this amazing capability to bring together the world and it's the great unifier, if you like. And uh, I used to work in the music industry before I got into tech and um, I, I kind of learned most of what I do by doing. That's how I learn. That's the kind of mind I have. 
And one of the really interesting things I found when moving from the world of music into the world of technology and suddenly finding myself chatting next to the head of global security from one of the global telcos uh, is that everybody loves music. Everyone has a relationship with music. And because I had come from that world rather than a more traditional route into technology, in some ways it was easier to talk to people because we always had something to talk about. Yeah. So music is a, it's a cliche, but it is the universal language. And I think in times of crisis, it becomes ever more important. And uh, there are some great resources out there uh, to help people get the most out of listening during the lockdowns, etc. Harmon have put together a, a website called The Art of Listening. And this is all about some tricks and techniques that you can use to practice deep listening and get the most out of a recording. And they've got great people there like Dr. Sean Olive from Harmon, Dr. Hauke Egerman from uh, University of York, Frank Filippetti, who's a seven times Grammy winning producer. And they all share their top tips for getting the most joyful, comforting, immersive experience from listening to music at home. There are specific things you can do in terms of the audio quality, the positioning, what you're doing with your device or not doing, more to the point, with your mm -hmm. smartphone at the time. Uh, I think a lot of people have gone back to music in a way that's that's been wonderful. And um, yeah, I'm sure you experienced this on social media, on Facebook, etc. One of the things that was consistent with the early days of the lockdowns was people sharing their favorite recordings. And there were various challenges to share your top 10 vinyl records or your top 10 albums of all time. And people really reconnected with music. And I think it's been a really difficult time for most of the people uh, listening. I'm sure most of the people in the world have been affected by this. But if this cloud is a silver lining, it's the fact that people are reconnecting with the power of music in a way that, like keeping the best of virtual events, telehealth and video calling is going to be a lasting legacy of this period of time is that people will have that deeper connection with music. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. Uh, and we would definitely have experienced it. And I think so. I mean, because I think if you hear a great tune, you know, I don't know, like our friends electric or something, you know, like you don't oh, hear yeah. very often. And when you do, it's still a great song. And, mm. and, and the great thing is, is that, you know, humanity keeps adding new tracks. So my 10 year old daughter's job almost is to keep pushing new songs into the mix and i think for us to be open to that it's great because then we can drive on the radio and we have this mashup radio stuff and it's a bit of what i like and a bit of what she likes and therefore it's an inclusive activity for all of us i mean and we were listening to uh, yes sir i can boogie which obviously is <laughs> 1977 but but then yeah. scotland said it's their theme tune for getting them through when they just qualified to the tournament a few days ago so totally. so you know, music keeps coming around and then current artists will cover stuff that, you know, we, we were like Florence and the Lungs was had covered that. Uh, you've got the love, yeah. you know, so then, you know, it and then it's a new audience. And, you know, you realize there's almost like a musical amnesia that anything that's more than 10 years old, you can easily cover because it will be fresh to the, your audience. That's very true. Over the weekend uh, at the time of recording, we were watching Iceland Airwaves virtually via Dice FM, which is this fantastic service. It's wonderful ticketing service, but they pivoted very quickly into doing live but virtual events, which are live streamed uh, in high quality. And it was just fantastic. They had uh, now I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, but this gentleman who's like six foot eight and his name is Daddy Freyer or something like this. He's an Icelandic name. OK. And um, he did a cover of the Birdie song in a kind of thrash metal style. <laughs> and I swear to God, it was brilliant. <laughs> it was it was very surprising, but it was fun. And then he did a 
a cover of Shares Believe, and uh, he, he's a slightly iconoclastic. You know, he, you think he does a lot of things tongue firmly in cheek, but it, it was just a joy. And it was, you know, some of the other acts playing there, they were very reminiscent of, you know, 70s dinner jazz or, or like yacht rock or various styles that have maybe were very new back in the 60s and 70s. But in 2020, they are being revisited by you know, millennials and centennials. And exactly as you say, as a result of that, they sound incredibly fresh. So music and fashion and style, it runs in cycles and things do come back for the new generations. But that's the joy of the uh, the longevity of great music is that it can be discovered by uh, your grandchildren's grandchildren, in theory. Yeah, I know. You're right. And even you remind me that we were watching a Black Mirror and there's oh, yeah. uh, the, with the Miley Cyrus. And I'm like, that tune is super familiar to me. And through <laughs> the episode, I was like, I'm sure I know what that is. And by the end, you're like, oh, yeah, it's just a riff on Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. And, and and obviously, you know, the giveaway at the end is, is after the credits is, is, you know, Miley just rocks out and plays, you know, bow down before the one you serve. Yeah. And and they just reworked it. And therefore, you know, again, my my, my guys liked it. And, you know, the, the, the characters are, are, are their age and they de- identify with it. Yeah. And it's a reworking. So I think we're in a fortunate place where the whole standing on the shoulders of giants means that you go back and you take from it and and it's still a creative process. Indeed. So I have one and a half questions left because you've, you've touched on one of these, which is as well as music, um, who, who and where do you get your inspiration and your information from so that you remain relevant and up to date? Well, I'm not sure if I'm entirely relevant and up to date, but (laughs) I, I certainly have a few sources that I prefer. I love podcasts. I absolutely love podcasts for just keeping me up to date with what's happening in music and technology, etc. One of the things I've really immersed myself in since the lockdown is being a factual podcast like the David McWilliams podcast is, oh, yeah. uh, is superb. I've never, ever really been interested in economics in the same way, but himself and his friend John Davis package things up in such a likable manner. It suddenly is relatable it's understandable it's an education and it's also good storytelling so it's very inclusive mm-hmm. and it's fun to listen to as well because they just get on the podcast and have a chat and it comes across very natural uh, so it's uh, a great way to educate yourself about what's happening in the world and the impact of things like brexit and elections and interesting and sometimes unexpected threads of the the global economy yeah another one i like to listen to for music is nile nine who is perhaps one of the most best-known tastemakers in Ireland, and is just a brilliant, brilliant uh, compiler of music and mm-hmm. uh, reports on some great stuff. I like also The Irish Passport. That's a great podcast for keeping in touch with what are the global implications for the Irish diaspora of what's happening in Ireland and what's happening in the world, and some brilliant takes and revisits of historical assumptions that are absolutely super interesting and informative. I like the Blind Boy podcast as well. Sometimes oh, yeah. he just goes off on some wild tangents and his smoking hot takes, etc. Uh, he's he's a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, I tell you what I listen to as well, of course, Scott Galloway, his Prof G podcast, but especially Pivot with Kara Swisher. I think that's fantastically informative in terms of what's happening in the world of tech, in terms of current affairs. And they're both very opinionated in different ways and they have a good dynamic as well. So it's fun to listen to them kind of sparring with each other and disagreeing and agreeing and generally being outspoken 
on whatever's happening in the uh, world of technology. So a short answer long, it's podcasts, really. Podcasts are how I keep up to date with stuff. And uh, and then there's the usual media outlets, Irish Tech News, TechCrunch. Uh, I like The Guardian. Just whatever comes up and whatever is being shared by people I respect online. Yeah, I think like particularly with those podcasts you mentioned, um, they probably know more about some of these things than I do. So you just, you know, turn off the ego and just listen to it and just learn because they're willing to share. And and I think we are in a great position where people aren't hoarding all of what they know. And therefore, I think we all get smarter as a result of it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm appreciative of it. I, I would also read The Guard in the BBC, but occasionally yes. I, will tr- I will go and read Fox and CNN and other things just to try and make sure that I'm not falling into like a filter bubble. Of, yes. Like, like say, The Guardian newspaper, I, I have to start reading sometimes because I just feel it's it's of a sort, to a sort. Mm. And the trouble is, is, even as Twitter can be sometimes, Twitter, if, if you just follow Twitter, you'd think that certain things are going to happen or change fast yes. and they will. But yeah. but that's only maybe 10% of the population that are seeing things that way. So yeah. I guess it, our challenge is both to inform ourselves, but also to keep keep balancing that with maybe what the alternative point of view is, you know, even if you yeah. don't like it. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I found that film on Netflix, The Social Dilemma, to be massively informative. Mm-hmm. You know, we are being funneled into... Uh, exactly as you say, bubbles that are just kind of reflecting our own opinion or quote unquote triggering us to make us enraged. As Scott Galloway said, enragement is engagement and engagement (laughs) is advertising revenue. So the tech platforms are very mercenary in that approach. If they can get you to being absolutely enraged about something in a short number of clicks, that means dwell time. So that means revenue. Your attention is the product they sell to their, their advertisers. You know, that aspect of technology troubles me, but you're right. It is important to keep a good perspective and not to be, you know, 100% in your filter bubble where everyone agrees to you because exactly as you say, you get to something like a referendum or an election and my goodness, the results can be very unexpected and surprising. Yeah, yeah. Um, so look, it's been really nice to talk to you. Um, how can people find out more about you and what you do and what you're up to? Oh, well, the best thing is just to link with me on LinkedIn. I'm very happy to to connect with you. Also go to Oshin Lunny, O-I-S-I-N-L-U-N-N-Y dot com. And that has what I'm up to in terms of events, podcasts. And there's also a link there to join my mailing list. And I send out one email a month and it always has a mixtape of some great new music that I really love together with some gems from the vaults. Uh, I think they are anyway. And uh, then in that email, there's a list of things that are coming up for the month ahead and things I've done. And there's a little bit of self-promotion in return for the mixtape. But yep. um, it's mainly it's all about the music, really, with some extra links. So uh, I'd be delighted to connect with you if you're listening. Awesome. And and I've just signed up for that, too. <laughs> ah, fantastic. Welcome aboard, Simon. Thank you, man. Brilliant. So, look, it's lovely to talk to you. And uh, thanks. And we'll just keep following what you're up to. Thank you so much for having me, Simon. It's been a real pleasure and I'll I'll see you online. We hope you enjoyed that podcast and we will be bringing you more across as diverse and interesting a range of stories as we can find. You're welcome to reach out to us on Twitter, LinkedIn or by email and give us any feedback and let us know what you'd like us to cover in the future. Thanks and keep listening.